0: good morning. Jesus made a lot of great statements and in fact it would be easy for us to probably come up with a top 10 list for Jesus and I want to put the verse that I'm going to share with you today in the top five in my list. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's the very foundation of this church. When you go back to the history of how this church started with uh, Pastor Carlson, who I, my, I knew, my dad knew him very well and knew his father, that this verse right here was the uh, key verse to why he started the church here in Tualatin. It has been the foundational verse for the church in the last... 20 years under Pastor Stan's ministry and historically probably uh, all this church's life and our fellowship that includes you know nearly 200 churches and this being one of the leading churches in the state of Oregon and in the Northwest Jesus made this statement and I put it in the top five on my list but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my." Witnesses. I'd like us to read it together, so I'll do a phrase at a time. I'll say it, and then you repeat it, okay? But you will receive power when, receive power. when the Holy Spirit comes on you, comes on you. And, you and you will be my witnesses. Let that just rest in your spirit for a moment, because there's some key words. There's two key words I'd like to just chat about and talk to you about. Because I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and experiencing a Spirit-filled life requires power. Uh, when our daughter was in high school, uh, they had an, at her school they had an annual winter gala. Uh, it was in the dead of winter. It was probably to lift the students' spirits. And you know, here in the Northwest, it gets dark really early, like you know, four thirty. It's like dark, and uh, uh, we we try to forget about that because we love the summer when it's ten o'clock and it's still light. But the dead of winter, they had this. Winter gala at the school where all the girls dressed up in formals, you know, and really uh, were decked out. In fact, some people didn't even know who they were because they were so amazingly different when they came to the, the school event, all dressed up, and uh, and the guys were asked to uh, dress up as well. Uh, they were asked to, you know, wear tuxedos or nice suits. or It was a big deal. So uh, I the plan was that I would come home, pick my daughter up, and take her to the school for the Winter Gala. Are you with me so far? Uh, that particular weekend, that Friday, we had a heavy storm that hit uh, Portland and the Tualatin area. We live here in Tualatin, lived here about 22 years over by Meridian Park Hospital. And uh, uh, I got off the, the freeway after heavy traffic and trying to make it on time because I know that Kim would want me to be there right at the right time then get her to the school and all that kind of stuff. And I, I drove uh, into uh, Nyberg Road and I drove into our... Neighborhood area, and I'm a little slow, but I caught on real quick. I noticed that none of the street lights were on in our neighborhood. Uh, Then I'm a little more brilliant than that. I looked around and I realized that there were no houses with lights on either. And I'm a little more brilliant than that, and then I realized there must be drama at the house when I get there. Because this is like a big deal. You know, G- girls, specifically our daughter, spent like five hours getting ready for this deal. Our son would spend 15 minutes, you know. I mean, it's just a difference. Uh, the girls wanted to look the best. The guy said, Hey, we'll come in jeans and a t shirt. It's no big deal. And the girl said, No, you won't. you have to dress up. But the girls, this is like the big major event. And so I began to rehearse in my mind what the drama must be like at the house. So when I drove down our street, I noticed I was praying, oh, Lord, at least our block have the lights on. Nothing, all dark. Drove into the driveway, and it was completely dark. It was like midnight or the middle of the night, the darkest moment. You couldn't see a thing, really, other than the headlights of my my car. And I got out, and before I got to the door, because the garage door wouldn't open, before I got to the door, I heard the window slide open in the upstairs bedroom. And I heard the voice of my young daughter, Kimberly saying this, Dad, we've got a problem. We have no power, and I'm not dressed to go yet. You've got to fix it. We have no power. Now, isn't it interesting? When we built our house, we built it, uh, constructed it properly. The contractor, I didn't build it, but the contractor who built the house constructed it properly. He put all the wiring in, he put it into a power box. He ran a line to the main uh, power source. I mean, we had lights in the house. We had down lights. We had uh, lamps. We had uh, strip lights uh, everywhere you could imagine. We had lighting that was designed for more, most normal homes. We had invested in power. We had a stove. We had, a, we had a, an oven, a, a microwave. We had hair dryers. We had curling irons as you can see I use mine too much and uh, you could, we had all the stuff but dad we have no power and you've got to fix it now I am appreciative of the fact that my daughter looked to me to fix all of her problems I'm appreciative of the the fact that she thought I had all the answers but what I one thing I recognized is although we had everything in place And we thought we had the perfect home. We had no power. Have you ever felt like that? You seem to kind of have it all together, but there is something missing. And Jesus addresses this to the disciples, and he speaks to us from it as well. When he says that there is an answer for feeling powerless in the Christian life and serving God. When you become a Christ follower, there's an answer to that sense of feeling incapable of living out your faith. So he makes this declaration, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Uh, I have met people who feel like they want to change, they they want to make adjustments, they want to live in victory, they want, they want to. Uh, to move forward, but they're stuck in neutral. They're they're struggling with pulling it. They just don't seem to have what it takes to uh, be a shining light. Uh, they're they're like this lamp. and They've got it uh, pure. They have it all together, but the light will not work because there is no power in their lives. And yet, Jesus, remember last week we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit in John 16. Jesus here addresses the power of the Spirit-filled life in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is, just for a review, is the final conversation that Jesus has with his disciples before he goes back to heaven. Uh, he speaks to them, and uh, this, this conversation is 40 days after what is known as Passover. If you go back to the Old Testament, Passover is when the... The children of Israel were released from Egyptian captivity by Pharaoh. When when Moses or Charlton Heston, whoever you want to believe, led them out of, of captivity, when Moses himself led them out of captivity, that was called Passover. And from that point on, they had a celebration. You've heard about Passover and perhaps you've been engaged in some kind of ceremony. It's an Old Testament model. It's a picture, if you will, of what was going to happen when Jesus died by the way he was crucified during the Passover isn't it interesting that God would do this liberation for for us for from sin at this at at the same time so we see that this was a picture here's the reality now 40 days after the crucifixion and after the resurrection Jesus has walked amongst people been seen by hundreds including a larger group at one time than is in this room right now And that all happened during Passover. Now, 40 days later, he's saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. These final words that Jesus speaks. The word power here, it comes from an original word called dunamis in an ancient language, but it really could be translated dynamite. So in other words, he's saying, Uh, that you're going to receive dynamic power in your life to live out the mission that I've called you to live out, to be the father that I want you to be, to be the mother I want you to be, to be the, uh, the, the student I want you to be, to be the leader I want you to be, to be the servant I want you to be, to operate in the gifts that I want you to operate in. You are going to need power. It's not just enough to have the tools. You've got to have the power to do so. There are some people you hear about before you meet. Kevin was one of those guys, bigger than life. Uh, the, the, he was about six foot five, weighed about 290, and he was just a big guy, kind of maybe scared you at first, but once you got to know him, that was different. But I never really had met him. I heard about him for one year. And the reason I heard about him is his wife, Sue, uh, started coming to our church after a remarkable, amazing transformation in her own life. although she had been religious. She was a hard worker and all. She came to a point where she knew she needed Jesus and she gave her heart to him and she brought her two adorable children. When you think adorable, look at in the dictionary and you'll find their picture right next to adorable. These two wonderful children to church and her life began to change. And she would say to me, Pastor Bill, would you pray for my husband Kevin? Because he doesn't want to come to church and he doesn't want to talk about God. I said, okay, I'll do that. And I would kind of try to coach her. Now, Sue, you don't have to come on strong with Kevin. Let him see in your life your love for the Lord and let him observe what God's doing in your life. You don't have to preach sermons at him. Uh, Don't make him feel guilty. Just just live your life out and encourage him in that respect. So you can imagine the surprise, because I heard about Kevin, that about a year later I found that Kevin was sitting in the back row of our service and The reason he came is because his adorable daughter said, Daddy, will you please come to church and hear me sing at church? And so let let me just say this. Kevin was a good man. He was a good provider. He was very successful in a regional management position in a major company in, in the Northwest. He traveled all over. He was influential. He had a lot of people that responded to him. He knew a lot of heavy hitters in the Portland metro area and the whole region of the Northwest because he, he he did business with him, He was a good man. He provided a great home, and he provided every resource needed for his family. But he was a good man, but he was not a godly man, and he had nothing to do with God. Something happened, I don't know, to this day, that just gave him this, I don't want anything to do with God, and I certainly don't want anything to do with church, but yes, dear, I'll come and hear you do the little singing thing. So I met him in the lobby, and uh, that was an extent he seemed like a really nice guy I just greeted him glad he came I hope he would feel comfortable to come back he came again some uh, months later for a similar thing with his children and at that time I said Kevin I'd really like to get better acquainted would you would you ever be interested in having lunch together and he agreed to have lunch with me and the Lord really impressed upon me that when I met with Kevin not to talk about church this may surprise you of a pastor, not to talk about church or the Lord. Now isn't that strange? It seems strange. But just to befriend him, find out about who he was, a little bit of his background, and just be uh, gracious, and let him see you for just being uh, a man of God without having to, to preach at him. How many of you know I can preach at people? Okay, well, I, I can. That's what I've done most of my life. but in this case, not to do that. And I did. You can imagine the shock and surprise on a Father's Day 20 years ago when I came into the sanctuary and the service began and I looked and who was sitting on the second row next to his wife? Kevin. And what happened that day, I'll never forget the rest of my life. Now, Jesus is declaring the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit here and he's describing to us when he says but you will receive power everybody say power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses there's a description of the power of the holy spirit that the holy spirit's involved in a lot of things in scripture creation he moved the spirit of god moved across the face of the earth and so on But there are three specific things that I have seen the Holy Spirit do through his power in the person's life. Let me suggest to you first that the Holy Spirit is with you. This may be a a, a revelation to some of you or a reminder to others, but the Holy Spirit is with you. And in John chapter 14, when Jesus started this topic of subject, of preparation, he talks about the Holy Spirit and he says in the last part of that verse, but you know him because he lives with you. Everybody say with. With. Now, this is what I'm going to call the time on which the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction into your life. Now, some people don't like that word, but it's true. We've all transgressed. We've all sinned against God. We're all sinners. We're born into that, that state of sin, and the Holy Spirit comes alongside and tells you this, God loves you, and he, his, he sent his son to redeem you, and Jesus wants to live in your heart, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he's coming alongside you. And he, there's a conversation going on and there is a, a conviction, an awareness that I need God. Whether that is like that emptiness in your heart that some have described where there's like that puzzle, puzzle piece that's missing, whatever, it's the Holy Spirit coming alongside you and bringing conviction. This is what Peter stood on on the, the day of Pentecost uh, after the power of the Holy Spirit had outpoured upon Uh, the disciples and the followers, and I'll tell you what that means in just a moment. But in chapter 2, verse 38, he says, each one of you must turn from sin. Now, this is when the Holy Spirit is talking to this, this large group of people. Return to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then he says, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit coming alongside. And some of you here this morning, as there was last week, Perhaps they're at that point where God is, by His Spirit, is telling you you need Him. He's with you. He's talking to you. You're driving down the road and you know He's there. He's talking to you. you, you, you you're aware of the fact that He's dealing with you and you know, I, you know I'm a desperate person who needs the Lord. But unfortunately, some people stop right there. That's where they get stuck in the work of the Holy Spirit. They never respond to the Holy Spirit's gentle nudge or, as we would say, wooing, if you will, or courtship with you to uh, recognize that you need to come to the Lord and he loves you. So there's, uh, there's another work, however, there, and we need to move beyond that. There, there is what we'll call the, the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And in John 14, 17, you'll see the verses there in your handout today. It's, it's again, he comes back to this. Notice he says, but you will know him for he dwells with you and, and, everybody say And will be in you, in you. What's Jesus saying here? This is a moment of transition from him coming alongside you and saying, you need the Lord, you need the Lord, you need the Lord, you need the Lord. And you say, yes, I do, yes, I do, yes, I do. Come on in. Forgive me of my sin. Change my life. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes in you, in you. Jesus talked about that in John 14. And now he dwells in you you the reference here is is that work of the holy spirit and you become born again you become a new person and the holy spirit's in you and the evidence of that should be not only a transformed life but the evidence of that should be that you begin now to manifest what is known as the fruit of the holy spirit in your life love joy peace long-suffering self-control and gentleness and so on it now begins to change and so uh, we have seen, you have seen in your own life. I remember when I accepted the Lord as a young boy, there seemed to be in my, my limited understanding a transformation, a change in my spirit. And as I have, have, have led people in prayer and asked people to follow Jesus and they've responded, I can see honestly, honestly, I can see sometimes instantaneously in others over the course of time a transformation of their countenance, the way they carry themselves, their speech, the way that they uh, handle Life is, it's obvious that they have taken themselves off the throne of their lives, and now it's Jesus, and he says his spirit is in them. You, you must get this. The spirit is in them as a result of conversion. But may I submit to you that some people stop right there, and they, they don't recognize that the Holy Spirit continues to do a subsequent work in their lives. And, and uh, whether you're Baptist, Catholic background, Assemblies of God, uh, Lutheran, there are many great scholars, many great scholars. I was with a scholar yesterday, uh, went to Notre Dame, Catholic background. Many scholars who begin to recognize that the Holy Spirit has come to do more than, than just put us back together again and get us on the right track and, and instill in our lives uh, some sense of order and honor to the Lord as, as a, a, a jar would be done for, from a potter of honor. He, he's done more than that. He has actually come to give us power. And this is where the third work is the Holy Spirit is upon you. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And I, would, I just put it in this. It's when we begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who is in us to be upon us and work through us. Now follow me. The Holy Spirit comes into your life, that's at salvation. But to work through you is the work that Jesus is talking about and preparing the disciples for that he refers to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reason, the reason that it's often heard by some, not everybody understands this perhaps, but you've heard maybe terms like the Pentecostal experience. The reason is, is 10 days after Jesus states this in Acts chapter 2, These leaders and disciples and followers of Jesus are together, and in chapter 2, verse 2 through 4, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability." This is often referred to as the Pentecostal experience and this is why because this happened on the day of Pentecost. Now what was Pentecost? Pentecost originated when Moses went up to the mountain and received the 10 commandments of how to orderly live your lives as a nation. And he came down and they began to celebrate every year the year of the time in which Moses received the word from the Lord on how we should live our lives how we should conduct our lives, and it became known as the day of Pentecost celebration. It then reverted to a day of celebration for the harvest when the, we would see God's blessing on our hand effort, our work, uh, whatever it was, the harvest that was done in those days, it would became a celebration. Now, is it any, is it any surprise to you that God in his timetable of life has used these Old Testament pictures to transfer them to New Testament experience and refer to them as the Passover, which is the time Jesus died for your sins, and Pentecost when the harvest of his Holy Spirit would come and we would celebrate the work or the gifts of the Spirit of God in our lives called the Pentecostal experience. Now, as a young boy, I experienced that, and many of you here perhaps have had your own personal, what we call personal experience. Pentecost. This is what Joel the prophet was talking about in Joel 2.28. Are you with me so far? Everybody say yes. yes. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Up to this point it was just on a few select prophets. Now he says I'm going to pour it out on all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. In other words, the Lord will give them inspirational insight or, or thought for the future that encourages Your old men will dream dreams. Any old men here? God will put in your heart dreams. And your young men will see visions. They will see things we do not yet see. And where will this come from? It will come from the power of the Holy Spirit working through, everybody say through, through them. It's at this point, with everything in the right spot, that the light comes on. And we become what Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Now the original word witness goes back to a word that we translate today, which is martyr. Martyr, someone who dies for a cause. We call them a martyr. And there are many believers around the world each day and each year that are martyred for the faith. Afghanistan and, and Iraq and Somalia, and you hear about it frequently, uh, perhaps on the news, but it's much bigger than you know. But the unfortunate thing of the word martyr in our English translation here of witness is limited. It's, it's bigger than just giving your life uh, physically for the gospel and there are people and all the disciples with the exception of one did that it means that i lay my life down for the lord in the bigger picture and i live my life out loud i live my faith out loud now how can i do that there's only one way that you can effectively live your life out loud through the power of the holy spirit in me and working through me are you with me it's not just about giving a prophetic utterance or speaking in a heavenly language, or operating in the gifts of healings, and I believe in all of those and have operated in that way, but it's about living your life every day out loud. It's not just about gathering and hoping that we have a little enough to get us through next Monday or Tuesday until we get back together again and have our whole... It's about living our life every day. And let me just suggest four quick things. First of all, the display of this. Look at this verse again. But you will receive power... After that, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Uh, Dr. Vance Havner said, he was a great Baptist, Southern Baptist communicator. This is what he said. We will move the world not by criticizing it nor conforming to it but by combustion within it with lives ignited by the Spirit of God. The people you work with and the people that you live with don't necessarily need to hear a sermon from you. They need to see a sermon in your life. And the only way that I can consistently, honestly, I've got to tell you, the only way you can consistently have the light working through you, you got all the right stuff, the battery's there, but you've got to have the power to work through your life is through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is experiencing the Spirit-filled life. And unfortunately, unfortunately, many people get stuck between the, the Passover and Pentecost. They have never moved beyond the crucifixion. They have never moved beyond the loss. But Paul said, I want to know the power, which is used 57 times, the dunamis, 57 times in the New Testament. It's the same word used for the resurrection. I want to know the power of the Lord in my life. I'm willing to lay down everything else because I, need to, I, need to, I want my light to shine to bring glory to God and in such a way that people will know that I am praising God with my life. So, Four things that just come to mind about the power of the Holy Spirit. First of all, I have found that the power of the Holy Spirit works in my life to empower me in my prayers, it empowers your prayer life. The whole, Jude, uh, the book of Jude, a small book in the New Testament, talks about praying in the Holy Spirit. I mean, if something happens. The power of the Holy Spirit takes you away from now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's that's an okay prayer for a kid, and I prayed it many times. But when you are faced with real life, sometimes all you can say is, help! Sometimes you need to pray big, bold, and believing prayers, and the power of the Holy Spirit supersedes your ability to even pray in your own language, to pray through and break the chains of whatever it may be. You know, we had our house on the market uh, in Clackamas for a number of years, and, or I should, a number of years ago uh, for sale, and we had relocated to another state, another community, and we needed to sell the house. Nothing happened for three months. Nobody even walked through the house. Realtors came the first day, and then that was it, cards everywhere, but then nothing. And I went there and, and I said, Lord, I'm desperate. And I walked through every room of that house. And I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we got to sell this house. I began to pray in the Spirit. Not just a Bill Wilson prayer, but a, a spirit-filled prayer. And our home sold within a week. So I was sharing this with some friends of mine, some guys, and a guy called me and said, hey, Bill, this is Martin. I said, yeah. He said, I've got a million-dollar home I've been sitting on for a year. You know, I heard you share about how the Lord helped you sell your house. Would you come over to my house, to this house and meet me there? Would you pray that God would help me sell? I've got to sell this property. It's a million dollars, and it's costing me. It's killing me. So I said, sure, so I grabbed another friend of mine, and we went over there and there's Martin and we're in this big, beautiful home, million dollars in Westland and we're standing there in a circle, we take hands and I begin to pray in the anointing of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, a prayer, a powerful, believing prayer. And Martin called me within seven days and said, Pastor Bill, guess what? I, I, I said, what? He said, the house sold. Now I've got realtors all coming to me wanting me to walk with them through their houses and pray. I only share that with you as that's the kind of desperate prayers that the Holy Spirit helps you pray that you didn't pray before you had the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You see impossible situations and you don't back down. You begin to walk up and you say, I'm gonna take that in the name of Jesus. Now, you're not foolish about it. But the power of God gives you an unction beyond yourself. That's what I'm talking about. You've got got children, you've got marriages, you've got jobs that are not what they should be and the light's not on and you're saying, Lord, I'm praying in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You follow me? That's one of the the ways that we live this out. Another wonderful way is it energizes your your testimony or your witness or living your life out loud. You'll receive power, it says, because you'll you'll be witnesses, a boldness and a confidence that, that you don't have. You walk into conversations and you don't know what to say. You, you're trying and, 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 and the Lord gives you a word. The power of the Holy Spirit. And, and the power of the Holy Spirit enriches your daily life. I got so many stories and, and Joy said, don't tell so many stories, so I won't. But uh, Romans fifteen thirteen says, you know, there's, there's hope. Hope in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and your life can turn around. And 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 he can take your brokenness and make you whole, and he can make you a shining bright light and testimony of what God's done. Every one of you have a testimony. Everybody has a story. I've met some of you and you told me your story. Every one of us could be shining like this in our lives. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not about how great I am or how many gifts I have or how much money I make each year or what kind of car I drive or what store I, I, I go to or if I try to dress like Roger or whatever it may be. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, let me just say this, that he enlarges your vision. The reason we're here in this building, the reason I'm standing here isn't because we're really smart and cool people. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to enlarge our vision and to walk on empty property and stand in circles of prayer and walk around property and say, God, you put something in our hearts, and and Lord, the Holy Spirit has given us a picture. We don't see it in the natural, but we... You know what I'm talking about? These are things that many believers don't ever participate in, and I'm telling you that this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Yes, 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 there are moments when somebody has an utterance from God, and we listen, and we're all encouraged. But it's much deeper than a physical or verbal utterance. It's a move of God in my heart that I'm reaching into territory that I never thought possible, and I would turn my back. The reason some of your kids are in Cambodia today is because Ken Huff, a student at one of our junior colleges uh, in, in, in the, the, the valley here, at, at a young age, came to know Jesus and was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and God gave him a vision to go to Cambodia. And he's, as a result of that, been father to scores and hundreds of orphans and your kids are walking alongside him today and he's pointing stuff out today and they're saying, wow, look what God's done. Where did that come from? Did it come from smart kin huff? No, it came from the power of the Holy Spirit that enlarged his vision for his life. Some of us are living like this and God's saying, I want you to live with a light on. So when I looked down there and saw Kevin sitting on the front row, I thought, dear Lord, what's gonna happen today? And that particular day, I was interviewing a young lady who Joy and I had known for many years whose husband had tragically, tragically taken his life. And she went through hell. Four kids and no money, huge debts, and a court case over life insurance and all that stuff. And Ginny stood there, and talked about the power of the Holy Spirit helping her get through the darkest moment of her life. And the Holy Spirit spoke through her, and she was a shining light that morning. And Kevin said, as the Spirit of God says, Kevin, that's what you're looking for. If God can help that woman get through what she's gone through, he certainly can help me get through the stresses and strains of my life and my job and raising two kids and, being married and paying taxes and going from this to that. And that day, the Holy Spirit who was walking alongside saying, you need Jesus, he raised his hand and he gave his heart to the Lord. He said, Lord, come into my life and change me. And instantaneously, I don't want to be dramatic about it, but I will. Instantaneously, his countenance changed this big guy that would scare any of us in a dark alley, his countenance changed. And weeks later, he came to me and said, Pastor Bill, would you pray that the Holy Spirit's power would come upon my life? I've given my life to Jesus, but I... And I prayed a simple prayer. And he had his own personal Pentecost right there. And for 10 years, he sat at the same table as I did as a deacon in that church. Today he lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, serves for the same company, regional manager. He's one of the most delightful friends that I have. Always a smile. That big guy engulfs me in his hugs and, and it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you desire that kind of life? Do you, do you, all you have to do is ask and receive it.